Lying thinking last night how to find my soul a home where water is not thirsty and bread loaf is not stone, I came up with one thing, and I don't believe I'm wrong, that nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Alone, all alone, nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Maya Angelou. Hello, it's uh, Jim McNeish here and reading the lovely poem by Maya Angelou was... Kirsty Mack. Uh, we are leadership development consultants. We've been doing a series of podcasts about the future of leadership beyond the crisis and um, talking about various subjects and, and subjects uh, today is um, relationships mm. and their importance. It was a big theme, wasn't it? Because we got, we did our first six or five, I can't even remember now. Um, and that was one of the themes that it was coming through from feedback, you know, we're getting emails and stuff and about what do relationships look like? What do they look like in the future? What does that mean for leadership? Which was really interesting. So here be us talking about it. <laughs> it certainly is. Here be us. Here be so, us. And what about this last two or three weeks for you, Kirsty? What have you been learning or noticing about relationships? really hmm it's been fascinating actually in terms of relationships new relationships that are forming yes um i've found myself connecting with people of old <laughs> it's very olden times you know can, can people <laughs> of, of yours <laughs> i yes. know i don't know where that came from um, my friends from your yes. <laughs> my friends from your <laughs> i feel connected deeply um yeah from people sort of a little bit far in my past i've kind of popped up and we've really connected again there's been new relationships forming which has been fascinating just people yeah, just really weird, just about even connecting online and then just forming mm -hmm. really interesting conversations. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been very bizarre. I think also there's been, you know, the I'm now working, well, I, I was always working at home. Billy now works at home. And so that's been a difference in our relationship. It's just like you came into my office <laughs> um, talking so loudly. Um, yeah. And so that in itself... You know, I'm seeing the, you know, I'm I'm seeing that, but I'm, you know, I see what he's, it's, it's been, I think I said to you before that I think it's been amazing to see the commitment that he has to his team. I knew that, but I've really seen it and witnessed it more with him being mm -hmm. here. Not that I see him, he's in another room for the entire day. I mean, I hear him, um, but the commitment that he has to his team and his company and, I think that and it, it, it kind of strengthens our relationship a little bit it's in great. a weird way, you know, just noticing that and appreciating that and noticing what he does for his clients, but for, you know, for, for his team. So, yeah, I think it's been exciting to see the relationships that have strengthened, the mm -hmm. ones that are coming through and the new ones that, and seeing that there's people that are really committed to this preferred future. And I think we've got... I think we're maybe at a place where we don't feel as guilty talking about that. Yeah. I felt a little bit guilty talking about a preferred future and being excited about possibilities. And I think there's more people coming to the fore there and um, 
have you know those there's relationships forming through this which i find really interesting yeah really yeah. interesting what about you yeah it's interesting for me too i think um well what i noticed was within two days of quake hall um disbanding you and i were together in the lounge thinking mm. about our partnership and mm. we've danced around this for 10 years in terms of associate relationship or you kind of involved in quake but also doing your own thing and there's always been that and it just felt like all of that just got washed aside and it was like mm. we just need to do something together yeah. and i felt this real pull towards partnership and i felt a real pull towards um mutuality in relationship i think mm. I, I would normally take a role of the the conveyor the the person who holds it all together the one that creates the conditions all those things mm -hmm. and suddenly i felt myself saying no actually i need to be in relationships now where there is mutuality where there is a genuine kind of co-benefit and need to make that work and so i thought when i was thinking about this yesterday i was thinking does that mean i've just become really quite machiavellian and quite um you know quite mechanistic in terms of it, it has to be balanced and the answer is no because I've also found myself pushing back and I wanted to phone my auntie Elizabeth. I wanted to be in contact with my auntie Nancy. I, I was chatting to a friend of mine. I was best man at his wedding 30 years ago. And um, I've wanted to return back to those real base level, emotional, tight, tribal relationships as well. So I think what's happening is probably just more distinctions and more focus and more analysis on the relationships and their value and the part that they play in our lives and just them getting more important over the, next, the last three or four weeks. It's so true. That is so true. And I was wondering, I was, it was interesting why for both of us, there's people of old, you know, coming through, but it is that tribal thing, Jim. It is I, that. And I think having those distinctions and being, um, it's more intentional about the relationship as well. I think I, I'm finding because especially if you know, like we have done, you know, we know we knew we wanted to have a conversation, and we knew that this was something that was important, and that we could both bring something to that. And I think it was that shared intention, that shared context. Yes. So it seems, you know, I've definitely found it. You've definitely found it a big focus in relationships. So it seems like a a good opportunity to focus on agreements, doesn't it? Yes, it does. You know, agreements are at the core of just about everything I do. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, um, the idea of an agreement is basically this, you know, that um, it's an understanding, it's a shared position, it's a shared commitment, shared stand between two individuals that says this is what we will stand for. This is what we are going to jointly make happen. And um, our world is held together by agreements. You know, we make agreements to keep the law. We make agreements to stay indoors during this time. You know, we form agreements. We, we, we come into agreement with the uh, society that we are in. So, so at a very basic kind of level, there is this notion of agreement which holds organizations and systems together and, and holds relationships together. Um, and being articulate and being overt and being shared in that agreement is what leaders do really well. You know, the really good leaders get somebody in and say, listen, this appears to be our current agreement. 
could we have this agreement instead? They, they name the dysfunctional agreement and they say, could we have this one instead? And that sits at the core of, for me, why an agreement is so important. It's a piece of language which is designed to move you from experiencing the world one way to experiencing it in a preferential way. Mm. So if I unpack that, Werner Erhardt, uh, the founder of EST and, and ultimately became the forum. And we love a lot of his work, although, you know, not all of it. Um, and uh, he drew a very clear distinction between um, what he would have called um, uh, kind of everyday reality, the reality of our language versus actual reality. So ordinary reality versus actual reality. And, and this ordinary kind of illusory reality that he talks about is in the realm of language. It's in the realm of um, what we would like and how we'd prefer things to be and our opinions and our preferences and our beliefs. And all of that language is somehow constrained and uh, contaminated by our culture, the limits of our language, our lexicon, our, our habits, um, the stories we tell ourselves, our own confusions are all wrapped up in this map, this illusory reality. He said, and then there's actual reality. And this is, this is the landscape. And these are the things that you actually witness and see and experience. These are the things that you have to accept because they're just real, they're just true. And these are things that you can actually interact with and change and make different. And also, if you learn to get really good with your eyesight, these are things that you can source tremendous value and real change in your life from. And he said, what's important is, or what really effective people do is they say, am I having the experience I want to have? Is, is my life right now on a trajectory I would like it to be on? Am I moving in a direction of a preferred future? And if the answer is no, then what is my agreement with those round about me that's keeping that in place? And what would be a better agreement? And leaders have got the confidence and they've got the courage to sit someone down and say, this seems to be our current agreement that's producing these experiences. I would prefer these experiences. Could we experiment with some new agreements and actually see if we can move forward in that direction? And so for me, the idea of a relationship is held together by a series of agreements. And the more overt and the more intentional you are with your agreements, the more you are a leader. That would be the kind of the core for me in terms of how this works. That's huge. I, th I think it gets me. I love seeing this, you know, and we've seen it in courses, you see it in boardrooms, but when people actually really it's like a microscope has gone into the minutiae of everything that's happening into our sales. And then when people go, oh, like this is, oh, this is an agreement that I've been working and I didn't even know it. It's just, yeah, I, I just I, I, like, yeah. it's amazing that sort of exposing of, you know, I've said, you, I've said this and this is how you react. This is the, this is the dance. This is the agreement that we've been working with. Yeah, yeah, it's okay for you to speak to me like that. It's okay yeah. for you to address. We uh, Somehow or another, I've just slipped into saying, hey, I've been on enough personality training programs that I now accept a lot of the crap that you're giving me. Mm -hmm. And actually, and I've just come into an agreement with that. It's not to say you haven't got to manage 
and, and work those folks, but you don't have to be in an agreement that somehow or another you're treated less well. You can come into an agreement that says, I understand I'm going to have to adapt around some of the idiosyncrasies of your personality, but it doesn't mean that I will put up with something which is offensive. And, and there is that bit which says, how do you then take that responsibility? You know, and, and I've heard you often on responsibility, Kirsty, and I know that it sits at the core of a lot of your own coaching and your way of working. Tell me how you see responsibility cutting into this. It is such a, it's a weird, I was going to say it's a heavy word, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, but it's such, you know, having the ability weighty. to, yeah, weighty, thank you, that is so mm. right. It is such a weighty word that when leaders recognize that they have a responsibility, there's just sheer gracefulness in understanding those agreements. And I think it is about, you know, our lives work to the extent that we take responsibility for experiences, as, as Erhard would say. And so it is about, we've talked a lot in these podcasts about how the mind works and sometimes slightly dysfunctions, you know, <laughs> our beautiful Mihaly Chick Mihaly, who I'll never write on a flip chart in any trailing chain. <laughs> yeah, just, just believe me, that's his name. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, we, when we were talking originally in this whole sort of human potential movement where we are bombarded by information right so we've all got our own filters we've all got our own experience and um, we've all got our own ego stances our own motivation our own values our own belief you know our family dynamics our culture our own listenings for certain things so that responsibility has to lie with us we don't get to say that that is someone else's yes or we don't get to say that you know that we take responsibility for someone else's ego stances you say or their motivations or their you know i am the only person and sometimes not even me but mm -hmm. i'm the only person that understands my stuff so mm -hmm. i'm the one to be responsible for it and i think that's a choice to take a responsibility for our life is a choice. And, you know, it might seem easier to, to judge and to blame or to get yeah. hooked. But that's not. No, that's short term, right? That right. is short term. But if we, it's a level of health for ourselves, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, to develop that capacity to take responsibility for everything that happens to us. Yeah. You know, and if we can do that, if we can create those sort of habits, then that's something that is really powerful to us. And, and where responsibility is a choice, as is leadership. You know, leadership is a choice. You know, anyone, Margaret Wheatley would say, anyone who makes a choice or decision is a leader. Mm -hmm. and, and so actually this is, if, if we can sit with that and if we can hold and be responsible for who I am, would also take responsibility for looking through that lens, as you see, of this agreement is set, currently sitting like this and it's not working. So how can we both move towards a preferred future? And if we can create a, an environment whereby that's an okay conversation um, mm -hmm. and we move into the conversations that really matter and, and we start to make offers and requests of one another that it's actually, it's all right if no's an answer. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and and you know what if you're I always say that if, you, if you're not I said it to someone this morning actually we was doing a wee coaching session this morning and um, if you're he'd been a couple of deals that he's like oh we hadn't got them and I went that's good 
He was like, what do you, what do you mean by scared? I said, <laughs> yeah, well, are you mad? <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, I, I said, I, you know, if you're not getting, if you're not getting no's, perhaps you're not trying hard enough. Correct. No, you know, you gotta, you gotta go there, and and I think that's important because they're out there and they're doing brilliant stuff, and so it is about for leaders about being responsible for what you contribute as well as what you consume. So that whole request and offer, you mm-hmm. can see some people that it's got. Okay, so I've made uh, two offers today. I might do a request. <laughs> you know, there's no ratio. There's yeah. no. You know, but there is that if you can hold that container of being honest with, you know, I request this of you or I offer yeah. this. And I think it's it's been really clean with the language. And, you know, there yes. is no perfect ratio for that, but there is a tolerance of balance. And so to really think about how you can do that, that's impactful leadership, taking responsibility for the space that we have between us. I'm going to take responsibility for my stuff. You take responsibility for yours, and hey, what magic exists here? That's, That's a bit where, yeah, suddenly you take responsibility for, as you say, creating the space, this space between us. And I think ultimately that's where all my focus has been the last two years is I'm becoming less interested in saying you're a this and I'm a that. Yeah. I'm much more interested in what is the space that you and I could co-create between us that is loaded with productivity and value and cleanliness, which means I get to make a request of you and you get to say no. And I get to hear that as a respectful answer. And I'll tell you now, no is a much better answer than I'll try, I'll see what I can do, leave it with me, maybe. All of those things just keep you suspended and keep you in 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 a state of flux. Whereas when somebody says no, it's like usually there's a deeper yes behind it. Mm-hmm. And if you can just listen for that to say, okay, that is consistent with how that person sees our agreement. And therefore, what is our actual agreement? What is our actual agreement? So therefore, let's get more sophisticated. And and then once you start to become okay with all the different ways that these agreements can manifest, you become much more bold at engineering and mm-hmm. creating agreements and creating relationships. I want to create a relationship with this person that has these things in it. And that becomes leadership, that I will generate a relationship which is powerful and productive and creative and clean and has good language in it and a spectrum of emotion. Then we're into leadership. I'm watching you again, just like, it feels alive. It, it feels like a real awake, you know, this this could feel, this could be an awakening for teams. This could be an awakening, you know, this is, is joining humankind up you know that's what this is this is joining humankind up this is an opportunity for us to say hey this we have a choice here we have a choice in how we're going to respond to one another that we're going to work towards a desired result we're going to have proper conversations and you know this is huge this is us saying i'm relaxing my ego i'm going beyond my emotions i'm going beyond my defenses and I'm going to take responsibility for creating relationships that work. I'm going to create relationships that move us to a really wonderful preferred future, not new normal. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, let's just, but what is, what is the brilliance that could happen here? What is the opportunity and possibility that exists here? What are those, what are the things that 
we just fell into that we're just like, oh, well, you know, legal stoppers or IT will just, IT will put a kibosh on that one. You know, these are the, there was things that existed that, you know what, that would just became a narrative, a story. What are the gener generative, she says, easily agreements mm. that we can now form in businesses, in teams, in organizations, in communities, in cultures that yes. could then actually just open up humankind and open up a future that will work for all of us. And if that becomes the future, I love that. I love that because if that becomes the future, we're no longer talking about IT did this or finance did this. We're talking about Amanda did that and John did mm -hmm. this and, and, and Peter did the other. And therefore there's a conversation required between me and them. And I need to do a little bit of a, an audit on how much have I actually invested in that relationship? Do we have a spectrum of conversation that can handle this current complexity? And if not, can we get it? Mm. You know, can we move to a place where we can start to get a deeper understanding rather than just these easy default things where somebody is dismissed and blamed? And if we can make it all about a department and if we can build a reputation about that department and make it wrong, then we have these silos and schisms forming in our organisations again. Do we have an opportunity to say, no, not anymore? What I will do is I will put my focus and energy now on the space between me and other people rather than on my own personal power or that other person's inadequacy. Can I get my eyes off that and ask the question, surely as two human beings, we could create something that is much more generative and much more powerful. It's relinquishing status. It's, you know, it's relinquishing well, a top-down response will will be what everyone needs right now. You know, actually, a previous agreement was I'm the boss, you're you're the team, you know, all of these sort of things. We 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 actually we need more transparency and more collaboration than ever before. So how can we coordinate the people to be more transparent, to have more collaboration, and what what could those agreements be that could really I was thinking about one of our other, you know, could exist to have a team posture. You know, how can mm. we have them posture and deal with the, the broad direction of travel or the brand new direction of travel? What's the future that we want to enroll people in? How can we do that? And yeah. I think roles are changing a bit, aren't they? Because we've they seen are. this, I've been fascinated because we kind of give labels to people, don't we? Well, introvert, extrovert, you know, that's yeah. now I, we've both spoken about this. I've been amazed by this is the introverts coming through, right? <laughs> so there's, they're you know, stepping into leadership. That, they're like, hey, I'm <laughs> here. They're calling on the extroverts. They're saying everything's A-OK, -okay. you know, and actually there's this sort of just, the, the labels are dissolving because introvert meant this or extrovert meant this. Actually, there's a dissolving of what that meaning is. And yes. people are coming more into themselves, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. There's just, I think there's going to be less desire for the boxing. Or if there is any boxing, it's purely, does it have utility for our relationship? Mm -hmm. If it's helpful for that, then let's do all the boxing. But actually, if it's not... <clears throat> if it's just extra complexity, let's instead just put our effort and energy into who do I now get to be for you as that introvert character that was once um, not that well set up for the social meetings-based dynamic we had before, but in this new situation, I can calm you down. I can say, it's fine, we've got this. 
Like, let's just have that conversation. Let's just make that work. And I think it behoves us all now. Uh, behoves, goodness, we've had your, we've had behoves, <laughs> we've had, we're going to be getting baguettes and baguettes in a minute. Uh, <laughs> Bajinks. <laughs> I think there's a moment for us now to take stock. Mm. Like I'd say that anybody listening to this, just be really practical and pragmatic right now. Take stock. What are your top 10 key relationships for you to actually flourish during this time? And don't feel any sense of obligation to put it in a set order. Don't feel like the old system has to run the show. It's like right now, what are the top 10 relationships that will help you flourish and help you lead um, and help you um, develop and, and grow and be at peace in this next three or four months? Now then, how are those relationships? Is it time for a reinvestment? Have you done a Zoom call yet? Have you checked in on them at a personal level? Um, what would be your request of them? What would be your offer to them? What new agreement would you like to form with them? Um, like, what would you like the relationship to be? And what would it be like if rather than sat immediately saying, oh, they're not going to go for that, or, oh, they wouldn't like that, or that would be awkward. Stop for a minute and just ask yourself the question, what do I want? If, if this mutable, chaotic world that's coming affords us the opportunity for changing quite fundamental things, why not ask yourself the question, what do I want from those relationships? And whether I get them or not, what would it be like to at least make a stand and be a commitment towards that being the case? Just a little exercise and just see what that does in terms of engaging your intentionality and your leadership. I love that. And it's, it's, so that's a way for us just to rid ourselves of otherness. You know, you are this, there's the label, you know. And if we did that, I remember um, it was, uh, what's the book? It's um, Little one, Tribe by Sebastian Junger. I think he talked about, I know, um, he talked about um, wars and how it brought people together, um, how it brought, it, he talked about post-traumatic stress disorder, but he says at the worst of times, people get to feel some and most of themselves. So people yes. are feeling more of themselves. So like you're saying, oh, I, you know, there's this extrovert that was here and the, you know, there's this introvert here, but actually now people are becoming more of themselves. And so if we can allow that us to step aside from that otherness, we could maybe get to the yes. point where there's just that experience of that, you know, fellowship belonging. And we need that as humans, we my do. God, we need it. And oh my God, we need it right now. We so need it right now. And so imagine if we were to work, I just got my shivers again. Imagine if we were to work in the spaces, you know, if we were to work in the spaces and to create everlasting change, which is so what the opportunity could be for us. And if we were intentional about that, if we're intentional about that stance, about that notion, then perhaps the team, perhaps the organization, perhaps the world, would just lock in on us in our favour and that would be so fun. 
even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights the whole sky. Hafiz.